Welcome back to my trip in Xiaoliuqiu. In the last episode, I discussed the significance of sea turtles on this Taiwanese island, Taiwan's history of marine protection, and my close encounter with the friendly turtles. So if you haven't listened to that yet, well, I highly encourage you to do so. After lunch, Mr. C took us for another tour in the intertidal area. The coast was made up of rocky bumps and shallow ocean water that stretched as far as the eye could see. As we strolled around, we could see sea turtles in the distance riding the waves to the coast for a quick bite or a bit of respite before returning back into the ocean. Mr. C contrasts this behavior with Hawaiian sea turtles, who swim on land to avoid tiger sharks common in the area. Famously, conservation groups would secure the surrounding area of the resting turtle with red ropes to prevent tourists from disturbing the turtles. Mr. C skillfully introduced each creature we can find on the coast. The magical thing is, every time he introduced a new organism, I had a sudden realization of how many of them are just beside our feet. When he introduced the sea cucumber, I instantly saw these moshi-shaped creatures littered across the coast, so many that I even had to be wary of where I'm stepping at all times. When he introduced the sea urchins, I noticed that there are black spiky balls that even outnumber the sea cucumbers. Not gonna lie, it unsettled me a lot. Plus, too many sea urchins might damage the ecosystem by ingesting all the kelp in the area. Hopefully that was just a natural amount though. While we took pictures with colorful starfish and fed bread to other fish, Mr. C and I continued our conversation from yesterday. Over the past 20 years, Mr. C has aided baby sea turtles crawling to the sea, captured many iconic sea turtle images that are seen in the hotel lobby, and even served as an intertidal guide for past mayors, facilitating their policy changes. However, Mr. C remarked, once the new mayor steps into office, the process restarts. It depends on the new mayor if he wants to join in on the conservation efforts or not. Most times, that answer is no. Day three is our last day, as well as our scuba diving day. My family and I relearned the scuba basics, for example, how to maintain air pressure in our ears, hand signals for up and down, etc. We geared up and head back to Long Shadow. Like my diving vest, I was pumped up. I imagine myself swimming next to those gigantic sea turtles from yesterday, but my primary concern was what hand pose I should do for the camera once we get to meet those turtles. Because obviously, I'm not good at taking pictures. Again, the amount of tourists was insane, but we continued to a less crowded area and began waddling into the ocean with our heavy gear. Then, the coach told me to lie on the ocean surface as he pulled me away from the coastline. After a while, he said, face down, and 
Silence. During my Green Island trip, the silence was the first thing that surprised me. I spent some time getting used to not talking and not hearing others talking. This time, it felt normal. I've done this before. However, what did not feel normal was the temperature. January coldness was amplified in the water, but I managed to maintain my ear pressure and swam on. The next thing I noticed was how barren the seafloor is compared to the vibrant ones at Green Island. I recall the fact that Xiaoliuochou was divided into two categories of oceans, coral and sea turtle. Because coral takes away the food sources for sea turtles, the turtles prefer emptier areas like this one, a brownish seafloor stretched beyond what the eye could see. Soon enough, while the coach took our family photo on the ocean floor, a small sea turtle appeared behind him and swam right above our heads like a bird in the sky. It was only afterwards that we knew it was the famous and human-loving Bulbasaur, Jianyigui. Bulbasaur, among other sea turtles, are regularly mentioned on the Facebook fan page Haigui Dian Dianming, Turtle Spot Taiwan. This fan page, created by graduate student Amber Feng, provides a platform for scuba coaches and divers to record their encounters with sea turtles. Then, using AI facial recognition, the team can track an individual sea turtle's migration patterns, injury recovery, and even identify their personality. That is why our coach could immediately recognize which sea turtle we just saw and know if that particular turtle is extroverted or not. If you're lucky enough to record a new turtle, you even get to name it. Personally, I've attended a seminar of Amber's, and even though this social project is relatively new, it fulfilled its purpose of emotionally connecting sea turtles to humans and furnishing a platform for discussion and environmental protection. In the future, it might even serve to provide valuable data for sea turtle injuries and transform the fishing industry. It's a fascinating project that is definitely worth your attention. We continued stalking huge sea turtles while my father and I imitated the turtles flapping fins in the water. And all this time, I try to endure through the cold, but my intense shivering doesn't help matters. Also, I did manage to take off my breathing apparatus at one point for the picture, although I would be lying if I said I wasn't a bit concerned that I would drown. If I'd like to acquire a diving license though, I would have to get used to it. After going up shore and changing, I interviewed my scuba diving coach, Mao Guai, who just so happens to be a prominent follower of Turtle Spot. Here, he recounts one of his most memorable encounters. Yeah, 
他要下水，然后发现那个海龟比较没有人怕人，之后他就靠近去拍那个标签，就拍到上面的号码，他是写 R 三六一九二，对，然后他就是透过那个号码，然后去问一些海龟的保育组织，然后问到他是在那个密克罗尼西亚那边的一个叫做萨摩亚的萨摩亚环礁，哎、欸，乌西乌利西环礁啦，乌西环礁的打标的海龟。啊，游那么远？对他从那边到小琉球大概三千公里单趟哦。对，然后我觉得更有趣的是，就是后来就知道他是从那边过来海归之后，然后就是有陆续续有人 PO 一些照片上来，然后发现他在二零一一年的时候就已经住在小琉球，就住在，对，就住在龙虾洞那边。嗯，然后中间他有被记录到两次，他有回去那边产卵，嗯，再回来，所以他总共游了一万两千公里，他现在还在小琉球。就在龙虾洞，我们刚才没看到。小琉球是它的觅食还有生活的地方，只是它忽然还是要回去。对对，因为小就是如果以小琉球来说，就是你现在看到海龟，大几乎基本上都不是小琉球出生的海龟。真的。对，海龟都是从其他，它可能在马来西亚孵化，然后下海之后，然后找到小琉球，哎，觉得适合就住在这里。Coach Mogwai was one of the coaches who happened to capture the now renowned sea turtle R three six one nine two. Back in 2017, after the team inquired about this turtle to multiple marine biologists and searched the data library, they finally discovered that R36192 originated in Samoa, a Pacific island 3,000 kilometers away from Shaliochol. After being recorded and labeled in Samoa in 2006, it was seen in 2011. And then in 2017 in Taiwan, where it still lives today, while returning every few years to Samoa during the mating season. This particular story was even featured in National Geographic, which you can check out in the show notes. In terms of the scuba industry, Malguai corroborated the fact that the amount of scuba businesses and freelancers. Really boomed in the last two to three years, and that sort of sparked an idea in my mind. The reason for the scuba industry boom is obviously because of the sea turtles, but the scuba industry, just by introducing humans into the marine habitat, is intrinsically negative for the environment. Paradoxically, I come to Shaliocho as a student to expand my horizons. But I also came as a tourist, partaking in environmental interference. My question to him was, how can the industry strike a balance between marine appreciation and marine exploitation? This is what he has to say. I think the best way is to use volume control, which is to cut the fish or pay for the fish. Yes. Because when you pay for the fish, there are some people who can, how to say? 有些不愿付这种钱的人，你就可以把它刷掉。那同时，你也可以把整个岛上的旅游的品质提高，那人数降低，那相对的环境，对环境就会比较友善一些。嗯，对，就是人数管制，然后把费用提高之后，然后也提高品质，对对对对，又会比较少客人，对，比较少的游客，比较少游客，对，这样玩起来也会比较舒服。嗯，然后再加上可能这个潜水人员比较好，一对一教学。嗯Mao Guai mainly emphasizes controlling tourist numbers by proposing an island fee. That way, it will reduce tourist numbers 
while increasing the quality of the scuba diving experience. The waters will be less crowded and coaches can focus more time on each individual customer. Of course, the environmental damage would be mitigated as well. With that, I concluded my three-day Xiaoliuchou trip. Throughout this journey, I've learned a lot about environmental protection and what that means to different people on the island. I've also noted a consistent theme across multiple industries, and that is the prevalence of anthropomorphism, the attribution of human characteristics to animals. I saw this from sea turtle dolls and merchandise near the harbor, which we eventually bought. And I gotta tell you, its wide eyes and furry appearance makes no sense, but it definitely adds to the cuteness factor. I can see anthropomorphism in restaurants as their mascots or literal shapes of their egg cakes, jidangal. And of course, anthropomorphism resides on Turtle Spot, where scuba coaches and tourists attribute names, personality, and fame to the sea turtles. Is anthropomorphism any good though? In other words, does attributing human qualities to animals exploit their existence, or does it enhance it? Take Hotong Cat Village in New Taipei City as a brief example. If you choose to visit there, you will immediately be bombarded with cat merchandise, cat murals, cat statues, cat restaurants, cat everything. Just like how do you see sea turtles depicted in Xiaoliuchou. All of these are meant to make people associate cats with cuteness, luck, wealth. So naturally, the village starts to sell teaser wands and cat food so tourists can interact with the cats. What ended up happening was those wands and spoons became the medium for stomatitis or an oral inflammation disease. What's even worse is the fact that cats with stomatitis stick their tongues out because they cannot swallow their saliva. But what did the tourists see? Oh look how cute, it's sticking its tongue out. Here, anthropomorphism virtually decimated the cat population. It allowed humans to exploit and unintentionally harm wild animals by making them attractive to frivolous humans. And it can definitely happen to sea turtles and Xiaoliuchou as well. But is anthropomorphism completely unethical? I don't think so. Turtle Spot is a great example for the positives that come from this phenomenon. Because there is a platform where people can talk about how this turtle they saw is not afraid of human contact at all, or I wonder how Xiao Po Dong's broken shell is healing, it transforms sea turtles from exclusive animals only divers can witness from afar into friends that we revisit. I think that's actually a really heartwarming thought. Not only that, by reshaping sea turtles as a star species and inspiring conservation efforts, we indirectly protect other species 
around it as well. Because to be honest, sea turtles are the apex predators in their domain, at least when they are mature. Their only tangible threat is human population and habitat destruction. So when one tourist sees the infamous picture of the sea turtle with a straw up its nose and decides to use less plastic, he or she is subsequently helping the entire marine environment. When a fisherman scrolls by a video depicting sea turtles wrapped in fishing wires and decides to switch to biodegradable wires, he or she is mitigating the suffering of other fishes or cephalopods or dolphins. Maybe after you listen to this episode, you'd like to go and donate to environmental nonprofits and support this cause. What I'm saying is, anthropomorphism is necessary if we want to coexist with all of the other organisms on this earth that we share. Humans are apathetic animals, and it's impossible to learn to live with every bird, insect, plant, spider, fish, etc. Therefore, by preserving and respecting our star species, the animals which we can see ourselves in, we can slowly but surely move towards a world where we protect more than our star species and try to coincide with more species in one form or another. Ultimately, although it might seem this way, the world is not humans and everyone else. Rather, we are all merely life forms who decided to spend our evolution points on different attribute trees. So, if you are a person that loves animals because they're cute, interesting, or eerily human-like, just keep in mind that inside that organism is a soul and a heart that beats. Or just a nervous system, you get what I mean. That's it for this episode of Uncovering Xiaoliu Chou. I sincerely hope you have acquired more knowledge on this fascinating field of biology, and even better, are inspired to learn more about sea turtles in Taiwan. If you are, you're in luck. In part three of this series, I have the honor to interview one of the most prominent marine education and conservation NGOs in Xiaoliu Chou to uncover how they managed to combine scrap styrofoam, local restaurants, and a tableware rental system to save the island. My name is Aiden Lowe, and I'll see you in the next episode.